2: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Real Vision daily briefing. I'm Andreas Stenu, the senior editor at Real Vision, and I'm sending to you live from Copenhagen, Denmark on the 12th of July. We are standing at crossroads in uh, in energy markets with extremely important uh, support levels coming up just south of current spot levels in, for example, the oil market. And I think no one's better at unpacking the price action in namely the energy market Then my guest for the hour tony greer the uh, editor of the morning navigator tony it's great to have you back on the show how are you i'm great andreas how you doing good good um tony i mean let's start by unpacking today's price action across assets we've seen uh, in another um big sell-off in, in the oil price alongside weak commodities in general, but also a very strong US dollar in forex foreign exchange. What do you make of the price action?
1: Yeah, it feels to me, Andreas, like the strong dollar tanking the euro toward par um, You know, is really weighing on, first of all, base metals complex, which is then weighing on the rest of the commodity complex as markets now go from pricing in you know, inflation to stagflation to recession. And I'd almost argue that we're pricing in a depression in a couple of spaces um, in the commodity space. But, you know, what we're seeing today is, you know, we've seen a big pullback in that great rotation where, you know, we're looking for natural resources to rally over technology. Um, And we're seeing just a sort of little shade of that today while they're getting to um, the commodity space with kind of two sigma flops all over the place. There's two sigma pullbacks in palladium, corn, Brent crude oil, WTI, soybeans, the Bloomberg Commodities Index, and copper today. To me, that's the whole you know world positioning for recession, right? And it feels to me like it it agrees with the vibe that I got over the weekend, where everything I was consuming over the weekend was like, "There's a recession coming." Right, it was pretty much getting baked into the media, baked in as fact, and it may very well be the fact. Um, and then I think it feels like portfolio managers came in Monday morning and said, "Okay, you know what? Price the book for you know, pivot the book to recession, and let's just get it on the tape." So in the first two days of this week, we've got two huge tick extremes on the downside in the equity markets. Right, prints over fifteen hundred on the negative side, um, like fifteen hundred yesterday, seventeen hundred something today. So they're definitely wailing away at markets. Um, And I'm really intrigued by this pullback in WTI that seems like a lot of short selling. right? We've proven the commitment of traders shows, the managed futures report showed that there's not a lot of length in WTI futures. Um, They show that there is a massive short, rather, in equity futures. So I've got a little mental bullseye on that position um, right now. and. Today, they also managed to get to some of technology, which, as we know, has been under pressure with the Twitter um, deal falling apart, et cetera. And I believe me, I don't want to go into much detail there, but it obviously gave tech a black eye on Monday morning. And we're seeing a little bit of follow through with two sigma fallbacks in Microsoft, the software sector and cybersecurity today. So if they're getting to everything today or almost everything, they've got um, the S&P pulled back to around 3,800 um you know we're somewhere now you know in this range between the moving averages and the recent low so definitely in danger but it feels like a lot of forced selling and a lot of late selling down here so if i could add just one thing andreas you know standing up on the day are sectors that have already been washed out airlines are up 4% they've already been washed out cannabis is up 4% god knows that sector has already been washed out but I get encouraged because home builders are up on the day-to-day, a day where we've got interest rates pinned to the highs, probably ahead of CPI tomorrow. And we've got metals and mining of all sectors up 60 basis points on the day with a two sigma slide in copper. So that just tells me that those metal stocks are, you know, they're into huge technical support. It tells me that the stocks may be washed out and already priced for that recession. And so, you know, we're just going to weigh out this week how much more there is to go. There's some data coming up in oil at the end of the week. We've got CPI coming out tomorrow. So this, these first two days have just been the opening salvo of the week for me, if that's fair, Andreas
2: yeah it's quite a tricky market these days to be honest Uh, but i i wanted to ask you tony about the oil price because i mean oil is down eight percent one day then up five percent the day after and then down say eight percent again today um what are your thoughts on, on this market volatility and what would it take for you not to buy the dip good question very, very
1: well posed question. Um, so I think that a lot of the volatility is sort of you know the the market the 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 oil market didn't stop anywhere that made sense just yet, right on the downside. So we've kind of do we've kind of did this retracement up to moving average resistance and came in after a weekend when everybody is like, oh, we're going to do the depression thing this week. So um, they go ahead and put pressure on oil again. It feels to me like they are massive shorts just piling on and adding at bad prices into support here. As you know, we have the 200 day moving average below at 95 and a quarter. And I have to say, the only thing, Andreas, that would get me to not buy the dip is a pivot in our batshit crazy policy stance toward energy, because I'm still seeing unbelievable, unbelievable propaganda and misdirection on television. I saw a clip today where Mark Haynes is asking someone in Biden's energy department if there would ever be any give on uh any of their policy in terms of drilling on public lands uh starting up pipeline operations to try to provide some relief for the gasoline price and the gentleman in the Biden energy department came out and said well this is you know this is all false narrative um. The, the oil companies aren't drilling on the leases that they have, so they're really just squeezing the market for profits right now. So as long as the administration continues to tell this lie about what's affecting oil prices and throwing shade away from the direction that it has a lot to do with the, the present state of inflation and the pivot to green energy and ESG, et cetera, to stay in line with the uh, World Economic Foundation principles, and- you know it seems like people are really forcing it on the downside here then my my most interesting tell today in the oil market is with a $10 slide in the last 2 days in crude oil the front month diesel spread has expanded by 30% so normally and i'm sure you've seen this before andreas when we have serious sell offs in the crude oil market structure always goes with it right? The calendar always gives way when front month backs off this much. And in WTI crude oil, we've seen a pullback in front month spreads, but we're still wildly elevated levels. We're, we're talking about 2 dollars 53 per monthly spread, which is insanely backwardated. And we're talking about diesel fuel, where we know we've got a shortage of refined products, where the spread is actually widening as the price is going down. Reflecting the tightness in that market, so that to me is you know one of the tells that the oil market's showing me that's saying you know don't don't really get too excited about selling this dip into the 200-day moving average. Rather rather be prepared. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to stand there and own crude oil at the 200-day, but I'm going to definitely shop around for some energy-related assets um, that are on their back in the last couple of weeks, looking to buy them cheap and looking for them to make higher lows. Because what the dynamic that I'm seeing now is that everything technology is crawling over, curling over toward its old low in firm bear market territory, and everything in the natural gas, uh, excuse me, natural resources space has pulled back into massive support in uh, secular uptrend. So those are the
2: trades that I'm hunting right now, Andreas. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, Tony. Uh, But can I ask you to try and explain this divergence between the uh, diesel spread and the development in in crude oil? Could it be linked to a strong dollar? What's your explanation? I'm sorry, could it be? Could it be linked to a strong US dollar? Or what's the explanation?
1: You know, I I think um, you you could link the weakness in the WTI in, in the oil market spot price to Weak uh, dollar strength, because certainly, you know, euro losses and sell off of this magnitude to this important of a tech uh, psychological level, right? 1.00. We get through there and, you know, all bets are off on what could happen, right? There could be a much steeper base metal slide. There could be a steeper commodity slide along with it. Um, I'm prepared to trade out of that dip. Um, really with, with the best risk reward principles and tactics that I can because I still think that it's a fat pitch given where spreads are and how tight the calendar is and how how much of a shortage we have in diesel spreads. And if you notice, by the way, gasoline at the pump hasn't dipped, no move yet, no change yeah. so far. So really where the rubber hits the road, where it matters, where the consumer hits the gas station, he's not getting any relief. So the price of oil backing off from 130 to 95 is nice, hasn't changed anything in the gasoline markets.
2: We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
2: I suppose that we should expect another uh, high print in the inflation report tomorrow, given what you just stated on, on the gasoline price, Tony.
1: I tell you, I don't see how it comes out any other way, Andreas. And I'm also keyed up on the fact, and I tweeted it out before, uh, like 12 investment banks on the street, their research department are, are two ticks apart on the CPI expectation. Their range is literally, I think, 8.6 to 8.8, and all 12 banks are right in line with consensus. That tells me that there's a higher probability that we see an out-of-consensus number. I would not be shocked at an upside surprise with gasoline prices so much higher for so much longer. Right? I I don't know where the relief would have come from if we were to see a pullback in CPI on, on this particular month's reading because the pullback in the commodities index certainly isn't going to filter out to finished products by the next month reading or even in the next month. So, you know, I'm still expecting that to be an elevated number. I could totally see the way the bond market has been trading. You know, I'm long some treasuries now and wildly uncomfortable, even though I'm only a couple percent out of the money. And I'm only uncomfortable because the price action still stinks, right? They're down 20% on the year and there is no respite right? Look at two-year yields are pinned right to 310 again. I feel like they're waiting to see a 10% CPI number, a bond dislocation lower, higher yields, and then the last gasp lower in the stock and commodity markets. And then we'll be able to see maybe some red to green days from there. You guys, excuse me. Rich, great I, days from there, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I, I wanted to play a uh, soundbite for you uh, in relation to the debate on the uh, important support levels in the uh, crude oil price. Uh, it's from a discussion between uh, Rahul Pal and Julian Brickton um, in the insider talks for July 2022. So let's have a, a, a listen to that soundbite and get back to the discussion on the oil price. Two of my favorites. For me, the other thing to leave people is, is... Watch this ninety-five dollar level in oil. I think if that breaks, there is a big flush to come. You can see how passionate people are about oil positions. I know a lot of people have got them. Just be very careful. Yeah. Um, and if that be goes, everything, be very careful in anything, because if finally we are get you know getting into the quickening where everything just the, becomes the quickening is the right term, right? Yeah, you know, to use starts, that absolute shit. It's like movie. Everything starts pouring down the funnel like that. Yeah. If, just if be I, very that's...
0: You don't need to be a hero in this environment.
2: The insider talks will be available for our pro tier subscribers at the Real Vision platform from today. Uh, back to you, Tony. Uh, Raul Pal points to this 95 level as an amazingly important support level in the oil price. Do you concur with that view?
1: I do. I do. And I see, um, I think I've got the 200 day just above there at 9520, give or take, right? We're going to trade through the levels by <clears throat> by a few pennies or a few nickels and dimes. Um, that's not, you know, the big picture is what matters. In And if there is that quickening that Julian and Raul are maybe talking about, maybe anticipating a little bit, um I certainly don't like to fade a uh, centuries worth of macro trading experience right there so when those guys are on guard I'm on guard um and they're very much right where you know in terms of tactical trading and asset performance you know I, I wrote the other day that you know the the longer your money is treated poorly the better the chance that it's going to go really wrong from there you know and and that's just the feeling that I get with some trades that I put on right and 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 some investments that I've made and you get the feeling of how they go um, by the price action. And that to speak to what Raul and Julian are talking about, you know, we are at that sort of de-risking phase in the markets where nobody would be shocked if somebody blew up this week, right? And we came in tomorrow and all of a sudden it was, whoa, there's another five dollars in oil. Whoa, there's another hundred S&P points. Right. So these are the markets that, you know, you have to be sitting on the edge of your seat for at all times, managing your risk and making sure you've got it backed up against some sort of a logical support line. So I do agree with Rao. I agree with Julian that, man, it it is definitely looking dangerous out there, but I'm going to stand in and go ahead and try to trade out of this opportunity that the natural
2: resources space is presenting me. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned earlier that the risk of a recession um, could be a driver of the price action that we see in commodity space. And in relation to that particular debate, we had uh, fresh numbers out of the NFIB survey earlier today. Uh, So expectations among small companies in the U.S. hitting an all-time low. Um, What do you make of the risk of a recession when you see numbers like that, Tony?
1: Man, you know, it, it feels like um, to me, it just coincides with the president's um, approval rate falling. You know, I'm I'm just looking at it from the energy side, really, and and trying not to get too geopolitical here. But you know, this the the you know the American citizen is dealing with all this inflation they're getting wise as to what, what's been causing it, right? They can go and dig into any you know um, financial publication and start understanding that the Fed easing, the Fed balance sheet, all these things over the years have contributed to the inflation that we're seeing now. Um, I think that the, the misdirection that comes out of the government and the media, while there are massive protests going on around the world and a complete collapse in Sri Lanka, I think that that you know sort of detracts from their credibility and I think that that you know obviously has an effect on you know the the small business owner and the consumer right they they're the sort of tip of the spear of the economy and they're going to feel every bit of crunch and every percentage point that's not measured by CPI. And so that's where a lot of the bite of this uh inflation is. And with with I feel like the constant misdirection and blame being cast outside of the White House and outside of the US, you know, I I don't see how that gives you confidence to run a business here.
2: No, I would agree, Tony. Uh, by the way, the White House uh, said today that they foresee a very high inflation report uh, coming out tomorrow. They obviously know the number already, uh, but they also tried to pitch the story that the numbers are already outdated. Uh, should we get this very elevated number tomorrow, how do you think markets will react to it? Well,
1: if I had to make a guess, Andreas, I still think. Like I said before, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the volatility of a bombed-out CPI number, like a 10 or 11 percent, you know, just just to really shake the markets up and say, oh, okay, if we're going into a recession and we've got 10 percent inflation, what does that mean for commodities? Does that mean commodities are likely to back off from here, or does that mean that commodities are likely to hold their ground? I don't know, but I would bet on the commodities are telling the story of the inflation and I would like to buy the dip. You know, That's kind of how I'm looking at it. I don't think that we're in the ninth inning or anything like that of where PPI or CPI is going to on the upside. I don't think we're in the last inning of seeing the highs in gasoline prices just yet. And so you know, with all of that left to play out with Biden headed to the Middle East um, this week, you know, I think that the oil market might be perceiving that he's going to come away with a victory that I don't think he's going to come away with. So that to me is even probably encouraging more selling into this hole and giving me more confidence that the tailwind is still to the upside when when diesel spreads are blowing out right into a nosedive in the WTI market.
2: Yeah, that is a really interesting observation. If we look at risk assets or equities. um Given a high inflation print tomorrow, um, a firm Federal Reserve when it comes to the interest rate policy. What do you make of the overall price action in S&P 500 in relation to that?
1: They're going to crack them hard, man,
2: right? Yeah.
1: You know, I sent over that chart today where the SPX has pulled back to roughly the 38% FIBO retracement. And, you know, I don't, I don't look for those levels to really. I just look for those levels as a guide to the damage of certain moves, not as necessarily a level that I'm going to go in and buy. You know, if I saw it back off to that Fibonacci level that was also lined up with a trend line and a moving average, I'd get a little bit more excited. But all we are as we've fallen, you know, we've given back 38% of the lockdown rally. Um, It may hold in and around here, but I'm going to tell you, if we do come out with a worse inflation number, I would imagine that we're going to see another day or two of selling in, in the S&P, a lot of selling in technology, possibly predating higher yields. And I would not be optimistic about the close on Friday, you know, if, we get, if we get worse than expected CPI and or PPI data. So this, this slide to me still seems like it's in motion in the S&P. I'm just a little more willing to take a stab at some of the natural resources um, areas on weakness, if that's fair.
2: Yeah, Uh, it was obviously one of the highlights of the day when the euro versus the dollar touched parity for the first time in quite a while. Um, And I personally think that one of the drivers is the massive divergence between the pricing of natural gas in Europe and in the US. Uh, you mentioned that exact divergence last week at the uh, daily briefing, and I brought a chart with me today uh, showing this divergence. What, what do you make of this spread, first of all? I mean, um, is, it, is it a driver of, of, uh, of the foreign exchange rate, and um, is it something that could continue? That's Putin's
1: gas spread yeah (laughs) right though it's street pipeline closed for maintenance it's up to vladimir whether he opens it up or not again on the other side of the maintenance europeans have been told that they should prepare at some point for a total shut off of russian gas you know what i mean i think that that is exactly why the euro is you know gone into flambe mode right now and it literally can't find a bid I think that you're probably seeing massive FX shorts into the euro. You know, as an FX trader, you're always you know, you always want to be short for the break of that psychological level. You know, you don't you don't necessarily want to be the one hitting the 99.99 bid, but you do want to sort of be positioned short for the slide through that big technical level. That also sets us up for an exhaustion move in the euro. Right, Andreas, the world is bearish. The dollar bid um, the dollar bid story is on the front page of the journal. If we come out tomorrow morning and have another you know relocation lower in the euro, maybe there's a chance it trades up from par. And I only say that because if the portfolio managers in the equity markets are clearly positioning themselves for a recession, I would imagine that the FX traders are clearly positioning themselves for a continuation. Of this euro weakness and dollar strength. So, a lot of times, what you see is the market will get maxed short into that psychological level, and then there could be a retracement rally just out of the positioning. So, you know, there's a lot of volatility that we're gonna be surfing this week, but I'm ready for
2: it yeah I don't think we can go much lower than 0.98 seems like a very important technical level um uh, just a bit below current spot levels in euro dollar I wanted to show another chart uh in relation to this discussion on, on natural gas and the link to the uh to the eurozone because essentially the correlation between natural gas prices in Europe and the price of electricity is almost one to one if we look at it over the past 12 to 18 months and I guess that is the clearest risk for the german economy for the french economy etc the big economies in europe that we will uh, be faced with extremely high electricity prices throughout the autumn and into the winter um, making it very tough to to actually manufacture stuff in europe um i guess uh outsourcing will uh, will be back on the table in europe if, if this continues um i, I wanted to, to pick your brain um on um the sort of relationship between euro dollar and commodities in general uh, because if we get a continued strength in the us dollar versus the euro at least it's typically something that points to weakness in the industrial metals sector is it a potential weakness in your bullish oil theory as well
1: hmm. well you know there, there could be demand destruction to you know to the level you know it, we could run into a situation where maybe there's demand destruction to a level that relocates the energy price lower but as you can see you know like you just outlined really nicely andreas the risk is that mother nature doesn't cooperate this winter hmm. for europe and they have a stretch of colder than normal temperatures for longer than they've had in the past Right. And that puts more strain on the electric grid, probably to the point that they have rolling blackouts, because that Dutch TTF price, that's where it is around 170 or so now. That could go 10X in in, in the blink of an eye. Right. And if they're going to continue to try to source it that way, they're going to run out of they're going to run out of gas and they're going to run out of political will to source baseload power with natural gas at that price. So that's why you're seeing these other phenomena in the markets where thermal coal is trading over coking coal, which is one of the most absurd anomalies that the Green Revolution has produced. Um, I quite ironically, in fact, obviously, that they're resorting back to coal now for heat. Um, and we're going to see where it shakes out, but it, it's really tough for me to to gauge the economic side of it. Um, you know, the FX, to me, I, I try not to make predictions, but use that as my barometer. And so I'm, I'm really just sitting here with my popcorn out, Andrea, seeing how it reacts around par. You know, if there's Ooh. a steep follow through from there, I'll probably be a little bit more concerned for my commodity positions. Um, I have just added some metals and some energy on this dip. And I would imagine if the euro has a large magnitude slide through par, they're certainly going to come after base metals, commodities, and oil and grains in that order, probably. So I would be prepared for some more pain. But I I still think that given the physical situation in all of the markets, that this is just a dip to be contended with in commodities and not something that you throw in the towel on, not by a long shot.
2: We have time for a couple of questions from the audience. And Daniel is uh, asking you, Tony, whether this extremely high three to one crack spread that you've mentioned over the past weeks could be seen as a. Effects are contributing to demand destruction rather than being a bullish signal for the uh, oil price. What do you make of that discussion?
1: Um, that's, that, that's, you know, it's, it's almost a fair way to see that it could be framed that way, right? Because, you know, the administration is trying to pin the energy prices on essentially price gouging by gas stations and refiners. They can then point to the three two one crack spread and say, "Hey, guys, look what your margin is um, without divulging the fact that the market sets the price for gasoline and not the refinery itself." So as long as we've got situations right now where you can we you can get information in the physical markets right now, where, despite the paper pullback in crude, there have still been huge bids in the physical markets. Right, and, and like we said, with the spreads blowing out and widening, the crack spread now has found a bottom at 40 and rallied back to 46. So there's another tell in the energy market that while we've had during the last 10% pullback, we have seen a 20% widening of the crack spread, which is a sign of gasoline demand. There's no other way to put that. That's the market putting a price on gasoline demand. So you know, it doesn't look like this gasoline demand has fallen off a cliff. I generally don't believe that two negative session two negative quarters of GDP generally knocks gasoline consumption off a cliff. Rather, makes makes uh, you know a barely noticeable dent in it, like a deck chair off the Titanic. So I'm going to look for the crack spread to migrate back into the 50s in probably short order. Because the refineries are still able to buy oil at any price, especially on 10% discount sale now, and crack it and refine it and sell it. So to me, the oil and gas market still looks pretty healthy despite the pullback and flat price. It really does, Andreas.
2: There's also a question on um, the metals and miners uh, section of the equity market uh, versus the overall equity market. Uh, is that a trade that you would consider uh, going long metals and miners versus the S&P 500, for example?
1: I'm in it up to my eyeballs. <laughs> well, that's sweet. <laughs> I actually added it last week to the view matrix, um, which is my, my amalgamation of views that I'm trading in the markets. Um, I added XME having, you know, I'm a big fan of when markets pull back to old highs. Uh, We saw XME break out and get actually ahead of the oil markets. They were running on the stagflation theme that that the market was anticipating. They were running on um, the transition to electronic vehicles and constant um, battery power creation. And then all of a sudden, the administration needed gas prices and energy prices lower. So they went silent on the whole transition to net zero because they know that is generally a bullish energy, bullish commodity situation. So seeing as the metals trade was the first to go off on that crazy parabolic run where we had aluminum trading 4K and copper at 11K, it seemed to me that the metals and mining section was one of the first natural resources sectors to pull back hard. So, since it pulled back hard and pulled back into support and has held its ground while they've been caning metals in the last several days, those are the things to me that say maybe the equity markets haven't been washed out in terms of metals and mining. And maybe this is at least where you can find good risk reward because we can. So, that's a trade that I'm going to take 10 times out of 10, Andreas, and put my stop below the recent low and let the market gods come and get me. And if the euro goes pounding through one, they'll probably get me. And if it holds here and has a three, four, five, God forbid, six handle retracement rally, my trade's gonna work like a charm.
2: I, I perfectly agree. Uh, I also hold this position in my structural portfolio and I basically don't want to look at it. I think in 10 years from now, it would be basically one of the best performing trades that you can you could enter at this at this juncture. Uh, I've made it my trade, Mike, Tony, to, to always conclude the daily briefing with a meme Um, and given that we had Eurodollar trading at par today uh, I saw this meme on Twitter um, (laughs) referring to the reaction from Americans when they see Eurodollar at parity. I'm going to buy the Eiffel Tower I don't know whether you plan on doing so Tony but it was a great pleasure to host you once again
1: it's certainly, it's certainly worth considering a trip to Europe or a vacation or something like that. I mean, and then you incorporate Nick Cage in the meme and, and you got me from Hello, Andreas. That was a great
2: meme. <laughs> great job. I, at least I had a laugh as well. Um, really? I think that this was all for, for the day's um, daily briefing. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with Eric Johnston guesting the show. See you there. Great job, Andreas. Thank you.